Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. I would really appreciate it if you left me a review or a rating. It takes two seconds and I would be very grateful. Thank you so much for tuning in again to this podcast. My guest today is the incredible Deborah James. She is a campaigner and the co-presenter of the top charting podcast, You, Me and the Big C, which is a brilliant show produced by the BBC that takes you through every twist and turn showing how you can still live your life and be yourself with cancer. Today I'm interviewing Deborah about her story and how at the age of 35 she was diagnosed with bowel cancer and her life with her husband and young children was thrown upside down. She was a deputy head teacher before her diagnosis and since then she's had major operations, still undergoing treatment at the Royal Marsden and started a blog called Bowel Babe, which is also her Instagram account, which focuses on debunking the myth that young women don't get bowel cancer and writes a weekly column for The Sun as well. She is an incredible person and really speaks so honestly about cancer and campaigns alongside major UK cancer charities and finds the time to also present the amazing podcast, You, Me and the Big C. She's built up a brilliantly strong following of people following her journey and her advice and her wisdom and it was just such a joy to speak to her for the podcast. She also has a book out called F.U. Cancer. It takes the reader from diagnosis to coping with family and friends, coping with looking your best and feeling better and how it's okay to drink wine and celebrate your own personal milestones along the way. And just in general, it's a book that makes you want to shout F.U. Cancer, basically. I found this episode really inspiring and moving and um, kind of fell more in love with Deborah by the end of it, basically. I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed chatting and please follow Deborah at Bowel Babe and also buy her book. The link is in the description and I'll also link to her brilliant podcast in the link below as well. Thank you again for tuning in. Please share this with your friends if you enjoyed it and I will see you next week. Thanks so much. And here it is. Hello, Deborah James. Thank you so much for coming on Control-Alt-Delete. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to meet you. We've just been chatting for so long before we even <laughs> got onto the podcast. You're amazing. And you've just been on Lorraine. You've just come straight I from have. Lorraine. Do you know, actually, I met somebody this morning and I nearly cried on air. So I shared my story about my diagnosis of bowel cancer on Lorraine um, about six months ago. And a lady was watching and she had been having similar symptoms and went back to her doctor and her doctor kept on dismissing her. And she said, no, no, I've just seen a lady on TV today. And as a result, she got diagnosed with bowel cancer, but because she had pushed, it was an early stage and she'd just finished treatment. They flew her down from Glasgow to come and meet me today. Oh my God, live on TV or, live or backstage? On TV. Wow. Which is amazing. So I was like... That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. 
Well, I was actually going to start off by saying, um, you know, you've just written an incredible book called Fuck You Cancer. I love the part. Um, no, we, can, we can say Oh, that, yeah, right? we can say how How would you say it on radio if you couldn't say... F you cancer. Okay, all right, F you cancer. With a big emphasis on there. <laughs> you cancer. That's the good thing about podcasts that, you know, we can swear we as can much swear. as we want. Um, I love And that. obviously your award-winning, incredible podcast, You, Me and the Big C, which mm, um, is one of my favourite podcasts. Oh, uh, thank you. Genuinely so incredible. But I just wanted to ask, because you have been doing all this promotion, is it hard to repeat your story again and again for different podcasts? Because I almost felt conscious that asking you again, how that must be for you, actually. Well, I take a lot of comfort from, say, the example this morning, knowing that um, actually you can't you can't get your message out there enough. If you're a campaigner like I am actually um I recognize every single day if I were to take a cab or if I'm in the pub speaking to people they don't know my story and actually for me coming to speak to you I'm hoping that there'll be listeners who don't have a clue who I am and don't have a clue about bowel cancer and by the I sound very teacherly but um, by the end of this they'll be like oh I'm gonna go and check um this so for me no it doesn't actually because I think that's why I shared my story in the mm. first place and that's part of the story is, that is part is of the story the, the message know your own body go and ask you're in control yeah. find out what's going on actually we're really embarrassed as a kind of um as a nation I think to talk taboos really um and taboos are not really taboos when I say taboos I mean talking about your bowel habits for example um I speak a lot about poo I think it's one of my things I'm always chatting about poo um but for me it's kind of like um the reason I want to demystify what it's like is because it does actually save lives um so for me I'm like the vegetarian that got bowel cancer at the age of 35. Um, so I'm coming up, it's nearly my two year anniversary. So I'm kind of like, the fact that I'm still alive is amazing. Um, but the reality is that on paper, I should never ever have got bowel cancer. So for me, I kind of always think, well, hang on a moment, if I can get it. And I, I was, I say I was bright, you know, minus some of the chemo stuff, I still am bright. But in theory, um, if I don't know what bowel cancer was um, or looked like, or even the fact that I was at risk of it, um, then I don't think other people do. Mm. So yes. just carry on talking about it as far as I'm concerned. A hundred percent. And the fact that um, as well, that you on Instagram, your bowel babe... <laughs> Yeah. I remember reading that and just thinking, I love this woman because you have 100% taken a taboo, I'm doing inverted commas, with my hand, and gone, yeah, here it is and we need to talk about it. A lot of people, I think when I first, um, I accidentally became bow babe. So I I did the classic thing where I um, registered, you know when you get overexcited about registering and like an email and then a Facebook and then a Twitter and then an Instagram and you realise it's all free across all social platforms and you think, why hasn't someone done this before? <laughs> That's so rare these days. You're like, so my rare. name's been taken, why? And you get really overexcited by it. So I got overexcited and registered it to my work. Um, so I was a previously a deputy head teacher, registered it all to my work address. Um, and it automatically, you know, it sends out an automatic email saying, uh, Bell Babe has registered. And so suddenly it went to 2000 parents. And I was like, oh, I've got to do something now. <laughs> but the thing that I find amazing is like suddenly in the last six months, there's been a um, like people have popped up so we've got bow bloke we've got bum uh, we've got bum babe (laughs) 
<laughs> and I get really excited. We've got Bow Warrior and all of these people because none of these names were claimed. So, so go out there, get the Bow names because they're then they're now getting few and far between. <laughs> Can build up like a gang of um <laughs> these names. I'm loving oh. it. One came up this morning. It's called the Bow Movement. I was like, oh my god, that's so genius. It's so great, isn't it? I was just like, this is brilliant. And so I'm kind of like, I'm always on the lookout for like the most creative kind of bow related or bum related mm. instagram so i'm you know if you tag me in i'm always there <laughs> but this is genuinely without getting too kind of soppy and fangirly about you this is one thing i do genuinely just like find so inspiring about you i the fact that the fact that you're sat here and we're we're we are talking about cancer yeah and we've just laughed about something <laughs> genuinely though that's that is a new thing that i feel like is a taboo that you guys have broken on you me and the big c because i was on holiday the other day listening to an episode and i was in tears because it was an episode about your friend rachel but then i am laughing five minutes later when you crack a joke yeah about her or about what she used to be like or about your friendship and i just think you know i wondered if you could talk a bit about that podcast and what it's brought to you so uh, the podcast for me is so it means so much you know when you do something in life um and I'm not saying other things in my life don't mean anything but for me the podcast is is something that I'm really proud of actually um and I'm proud of the um I've met some really fantastic people through it and Lauren and Rachel are my best friends mm-hmm. they're amazing um did you know them before no but oh, this no is way. what's amazing about it so we were collided and you know sometimes you collide in your life with people and we definitely collided at a point in time where we were both well all three of us were kind of talking about our experience but feeling really alone um not because we didn't have mates who were kind of trying to understand what we were going through but actually you you know when you're going through something you want someone to understand the you know the crap that you're actually going through at three Mm. o'clock in the morning and so we were all kind of writing and talking about it on social media and then that's kind of how we became real life friends we kind of reached out Rachel reached out to myself and Lauren um the thing that is heartbreaking so it's we laugh and we cry Rachel taught me so Rachel died two months ago from um breast cancer at the age of 40 and she left behind her son Freddie um who has just turned three and the whole thing was heartbreaking like beyond heartbreaking to watch one of my best friends who I had this amazing bond with basically die in front not you know I say in front of me sound see this is me now cracking a joke about her going no but um just just to watch her um you know her 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 health get worse and worse was just awful and for me knowing that I've also got stage four cancer it was kind of this massive guilt of kind of that should be me um this isn't fair and you just get really angry I got really just really sad about it actually if truth be told but what I also realized from Rach is that even in her last text messages to me her text messages crack me up um to the point that I look back I still have them on my phone and I look back at them and they basically describe in detail how I have to, how I have to make sure that Lauren's boyfriend is really fit <laughs> 
<laughs> and and that she then prescribed in detail what I had to wear to her funeral because she wanted myself and Lauren to be crying over her coffin like an ab fab style with like a big floppy hat and massive Gucci sunglasses so I then went out like after she died it was great she always knew I wanted these Gucci sunglasses and you know when you kind of need an excuse to like buy yourself like something really nice and I was like well well Rachel made me do it <laughs> so I'm there like I'm there rocking up to her funeral like big floppy hat big Gucci sunglasses <laughs> and like just just pissing myself laughing because I just you know like she can still make me laugh even in the roughest of times um and so, those yeah. are the moments where it's like very comforting after someone's died where you can get around and share the good times yeah and you have to and like we were talking about grief the other day we were talking about it with um with her husband actually and what we realize is is you know is a right to, grief doesn't look how you imagine it to look in terms of like everyone dressed in black looked away you, you know I, I sadly actually lost another friend I seem to oh, I live in a dark world I seem to I lost another one of my best friends the other day to assisted fibrosis and um you know a group of us then went out and we were all you know we had a good laugh and we toasted his life and we talked about all the fun stories and you know that's what I want to happen I just want people to kind of carry on the conversation like the reason people like myself or, or or Rachel as an example talk is to enable other people to feel comfortable with talking mm. um and to share their stories and to know that they're not alone yeah and that's kind of why the podcast came about we just wanted people to kind of be able to you know even if there's someone that doesn't um you know isn't down with social media that they can choose to plug in like and you were saying earlier intimately and I really like the mm. idea that they can intimately choose to follow us and no one else even needs to know it could be we could be their dirty dirty secrets does that even work <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one needs to know no that's one true needs to know because you know there's still it's not a stigma it's just stigma we're trying to break in terms of um cancer but you know for some people even to admit that they are undergoing treatment for cancer is actually a massive step for them but actually they can secretly you know wow, listen never, to us i never thought of that yeah, i never thought that someone might be listening with you guys actually being one of the only people who they have in common yeah no it's true like we have a lot of stories of people um that come and share their stories with us that no one else knows or maybe their partner knows but none of their wider friends know people are still um it's more common than not actually mm. for people to um just want to kind of almost shut it down forget about it carry on which is a great strategy but then who do you reach to at three o'clock in the morning when you're like oh is this normal mm. I'm on steroids and I'm really hyper and whatever and so I I do think it's like giving people that platform and that opportunity to to listen to something that they can they can choose to come to a hundred percent it's like you guys are in the living room with 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 the person like yeah. that's what I love so much about podcasting but I I mean I know this is very very cliche but there is a perspective change when you listen to when you listen to people talk about the things that you guys are going through in terms of you know when Rachel I think had said on a text message that she was going to have like a glass of champagne yeah you know in in those days when she was not sure what was going on and and then you think 
we sit around worrying about whether we're like drinking too much or whether we're eating too much chocolate it's like just live your life a hundred percent so i i'm somebody who was born with like massive health pa- paranoia to the point that actually it used to stop me doing things so i was always like you know i always worked really hard i was always pretty ambitious with what i did um but i would say that i didn't really take that many risks um but also i was kind of like I was actually scared of things. I would I would have total panic attacks in the middle of central London um, all during my 20s to the point that I would avoid kind of, you know, gallivanting around because I would actually be really worried about having a meltdown on a bus somewhere in central London. And my panic attacks were so bad that they would end me up in hospital. And so I used to avoid, avoid, avoid. I then did some CBT and kind of learn how to manage it better. But what I noticed, and I I wrote about this once, is that when I then got cancer, I do still have panics, obviously, because I wouldn't be normal if I didn't. But like the idea, the stuff that I used to worry about, it's so far removed from my worries now. So it's kind of like I was walking along Oxford Street the other day, and I know this is a very normal thing, but like 10 years ago, I would have been walking along Oxford Street going... I'm going to have panic attack. I feel really hyper, like I'm hyperventilating. And people that know me now, nobody really knew that that kind of stuff was going on because I was very good at kind of just pretending it wasn't. But if you kind of like now, it doesn't even enter into my brain because all I can think about is, hang on a moment, like I'm actually alive today. Um, I had a scan really recently. And so I think this is a a really good example where um, I kind of, it's not that my cancer's back it's just it never really left and so I've got kind of a bit of a new challenge in that I'm going to go on to some new drugs in the in the new year um and possibly have another mini operation um next week um and I at first I was like okay right what level of shit are we dealing with here and suddenly when you realize that you have some options um and you have a bit of hope and I had a really long conversation with my oncologist about this suddenly it's okay I'm like okay I can do this it's all right I'm not dying tomorrow it's all right and it's it's kind of like it's amazing how your perspective on everything changes because you realize and I realize from Rachel in her final days and then actually from another friend of mine in his final days in terms of actually um right now I shouldn't really be alive I'm still living I'm here having a chat with you I was on Lorraine this morning you know I can have a glass of wine so I'm gonna make the damn most of it until I can't do that I was saying something um the other day that people quite often they get cancer and they go oh no no I can't do that because I've got cancer or no no I'm just gonna take it easy because I've got cancer and don't get me wrong like treatment is tough and I like I don't want people to because this is the other thing I don't want people to suddenly feel really bad if they're not like happy you know smiley you know I have shit days and I'm grumpy as hell like half the time but it's it's kind of like and sometimes if you force yourself to be over happy it's really difficult Mm, isn't it of course but I also think it's kind of um, acknowledging that actually, yeah, we all, we all, yeah, we all have to, we all have to do these kind of things in different ways, don't we? And we all have to kind of go through it in our own. Oh, I hate that. I was going to say we all have to go through it in our own journey. <laughs> I love a journey. <laughs> love a journey. Um, but yeah, I do think it makes you realise um, that um, when I got cancer, um, it goes back to what I was saying. I started saying yes to things. 
ad is really cheesy um it's really really cheesy when you think about it but I was always like no no let's let's go on holiday um you know I don't know it might be the big holiday or that a weekend away or no I've got to save for my future um no let's let's not do this this was my attitude before and now I'm like well yeah like I might not be alive so should we just do this and you have to watch your bank balance because it can be a bit dangerous when you suddenly start justifying like well if I'm only going to own this handbag for a year I need to own it now <laughs> and, like that's not a good way to do but when you start saying yes to things um it's amazing what you where you end up mm. and what you can actually achieve and you can do stuff that you never thought you would do when you just give it a go because I'm like well what's the worst that's going to happen like I'm going to die well oh no that's likely to happen anyway we all are exactly and it's kind of when you're presented with the worst case scenario anything else is like nothing really you know I would step on a plane and it would take me three days of having a panic attack before I got onto an aeroplane now I get on yeah normally get a bit drunk um but Same, the, I have to have a gin and tonic. I have to have, yeah, a couple of gin and tonics. <laughs> but I think it's more a kind of like, I'm not saying it's easy. I still have panic attacks, but it, 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 I'm not letting it stop me doing things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that, it is that kind of, um, you know, bringing you back down to kind of, I know, I think just even like business and like your job and stuff like that. Um, before I used to think, so I was um, a deputy head for, well, I was deputy head or I was in education for for a long time and I used to always kind of not know what life outside of my job was like and I am really proud of what I did in education and I loved it but I I never believed that I would be doing anything else because I never had to think about the idea of doing anything else um, because it just wasn't presented to me and then suddenly the you know it was literally shut down and it wasn't an option I mean nobody said you had to stop I just for anyone that works on the front line it's really hard when you're undergoing treatment yourself to be that reliable person and I couldn't really be that person in a school Uh, so I chose not to do it um but then suddenly you have a blank canvas and you're like well what am I now going to do and you I I had to kind of start my life again which is a bit bonkers it's absolutely bonkers when it's something that you was not a decision made by you but yeah. it sent you on this other path and I look at Lauren and what she's gone through in the last yeah. few years as well the things that have, that she's done both of you some of your biggest achievements have come out of something awful yeah so awful yeah yeah and we we look at we look at the success of the podcast um this year and it's all very bittersweet because Rachel isn't around to see it um, but we won uh, best new show at the Arias, which, as you know, is is a, it's huge. A great and it's one of the best podcasts of 2018 by yeah, iTunes. I know. I, I just I just found that out um, uh, yesterday, and I was like, that's amazing. Um, but sometimes you have to kind of pinch yourself and go, wow. And then understanding the sheer number of people that we've got listening to it as well, you then realise the impact that you are potentially having on those people and the thing that has blown us away and that we never expected was the impact that we're having on the profession 
so I, we, I suppose we set up the podcast to let people going through cancer know that they weren't alone. But what we didn't realise is that actually, uh, when we look at data, a lot of our listeners are, are from the healthcare profession. Oh. So we have like doctors, nurses, oncologists, um, radiographers, researchers, and they're using it. So we now um, like work very closely, and we always have worked very closely with the experts because we're not the experts um but what we are realizing is that they're using our podcast in training they're using our podcast to to um kind of better treat their patients and for me that is an amazing unexpected outcome um, that we couldn't have planned for if we had planned for that wouldn't have worked wow that is amazing because I remember Lauren once mentioned when she first um was diagnosed that she got sent away with a leaflet that was like from the 70s yeah someone wearing like some brown tights on a weird colored sofa and it was like that woman is not is her. not me and yeah. and actually that I don't think that woman is anyone it's a stock photo yeah. kind of yeah. where are the real people talking about this yeah and that's what um you know when you look at myself and Lauren and Rach as well we're not the epitome of what you think cancer looks like um but cancer is us mm-hmm. um and we have just chosen like I, I get that it's not you know, some, somebody said to me the other day love you're not you're not that special just because you've got cancer what yeah no no but I get that well I think what they were trying to say to me I think they were they were someone that was a bit mean to me but I think what they were trying to put across like I'm going to take it in a good way the comments um was that actually um you know one in two of us are going to get cancer now I've just chosen to use um cancer as a way of um I feel that I can educate people and talk about it and that's what I'm passionate about so I've just kind of chosen to then I suppose make a career out of, can you say that make a career out of cancer yeah if you can make a career out of cancer fine so I've then chosen to do that because I feel that actually that's where I've just naturally been led and I think Lauren's exactly the same so we both are doing something that we're absolutely passionate about and we want to do it um and then obviously there comes the challenge that, that you know we have to live somehow so therefore you know we totally. make it our business and it becomes our business but I think what the lady was trying to say in terms of you you're not that special is is actually what I'm experiencing and I've realized this is kind of what a lot of other people go through mm. but what I hope to do by articulating it is just for people to know oh yeah I might not be saying saying it but I'm not alone mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole thing is that actually none of us, you know, sometimes um, we, we're we feeling these things, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. And so therefore, actually, when other people get to talk about it um, on our behalf, in a way, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that too. OK, that's 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 good. Well, that's exactly it, because I think that there is something weird with a human brain sometimes when you look at something and you say, oh, well, that will never happen to me. Yeah. And sadly sadly it can yeah it absolutely can and one in two is like your friends it's someone you know it's it's a friend of a friend it's it's you and I think that actually that is the powerful message as well of this is um we're all in this and any illness what what I've also recognized is that actually our podcast relates to people going through a wide variety of different things it's not just cancer um and living with and the key thing is living with um kind of an illness um a lot of the time an invisible illness 
doesn't make you kind of doesn't mean you can't live a good life Mm. you just have to learn how to manage your life around it um and you do adapt and you do make changes um but it doesn't kind of I thought I thought I would go and run away into a cancer cave mm-hmm. and then like emerge as a bit of a disheveled butterfly like six months later but it doesn't really work like that how do you navigate things because by looking at you obviously you wouldn't know so no. how do you sometimes kind of go about life and no one knows for the whole day so I have days like you know I've chosen very consciously to make it my business to tell people about it um but that suits me um and so therefore with that comes the fact that actually I have then opened myself up to continuously talk about it and I'm very grateful for that because I believe um it will save lives but there's also the flip side in terms of, well, I realise like I, I am like married, but let's say hypothetically, I was like dating in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> then like what I realised is that it really opens up, it's, it really opens up judgment and um, kind of uh, it's how to end a conversation very quickly if you're in a pub and you meet people and you're trying to be something, Not you're not trying to be something else, you're just like, I'm not going to talk about cancer because I can talk about loads of other stuff um as you say I'll come back to that in a second and it's amazing how quickly you can maybe meet some people that you've never met before but then get to the point like I don't know half an hour in and drop in oh yeah so this is kind of what I do so you can say oh I do podcasts oh yeah I write so what do you write about? Oh, health. Um, oh, what do you talk about? Oh, um, health. And then eventually it's like, you know, cancer. And it's amazing how quickly somebody goes, oh, yeah, so my mum died of cancer. Or that's it. Like, that's the end of the conversation. And I'm not I'm not saying that everybody is like that, but I have seen on all too many occasions, like whether that is from a taxi driver, whether that is from a person in the bar, whether that is from... Um, person in the gym just people not knowing how to respond to that conversation um, and that is why actually we just need to talk about it mm. so that people just go oh okay where are you with treatment how are you feeling okay great so anyway back to that book that we were talking about yes yes yes, yes. and I but I think you've played a massive part in, in honestly this whole conversation going this way because I wasn't nervous about talking to you today yeah as in I I know that you're someone who it, it, you can ask questions you can talk yeah. about it you can be open and, and actually it. I think I think that's always good isn't it yeah because then it becomes less scary as well and also the last thing I want is for people to you know I've been in situations before where someone's say go through a bit of a rough time but you just don't know how to ask mm. and you don't know what to say and actually what you realize is the best thing is just to go oh how are you how's your treatment going um oh here's some um here's a like some food that I've given you or whatever it Mm. might be and actually you don't need to overthink it but I think we all do don't we we always kind of go to the worst extreme of of overthinking yeah well I think it's just a fear of saying the wrong thing it's a fear of offending and it's a fear of saying the wrong thing but then somebody said to me what's the right thing I said oh with me you can never get it right (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's the thing we're all human right and so the reality is like cancer aside or illness aside um actually you could be having a rough day 
and somebody could say the wrong thing to you and well if you've got temper like mine then you know it's not going to go down very well anyway and that's not because of the cancer mm. so it's it's a you know it's it's the it's just knowing that we're, we're human really yeah and we'll on to your book then oh. because i think it's it's an extension of everything you're doing and, and the fact that someone can have a physical copy of a book and i think everyone should read it whether oh. or not you are going through something because we all need to know more about it we all need to know how to help people and um i love in the sort of description of the book it's sort of it's very your voice it's very <laughs> there's like no bullshit there's a bit of humor in there but um obviously it's there's parts of it that are very serious it it was almost like you were saying this isn't like your green juice go and save the world after treatment book like as in the stereotypes that the stereotypes slightly uh, oh god i'm gonna get really slated like i get a bit fucked off with slightly earnest like well-being shit mm. well that's the vibe i got Cause, cause, cause that, that, i know I've just I just paraphrased that. the the back cover but yeah, it, yeah. Did, did i no absolutely say it correctly I kind think, of it's it's basically not that type of book no i think you know what and i'm gonna now get slated deborah doesn't do well-being no i do but what i get really annoyed about and is the fact that actually people assume that they um can you know have a magic cure to cancer or whatever it's i work um sorry i'm treated at the the royal marsden with brilliant researchers i'm under the care of the head of research we think outside the box every day about my cancer we you know testing my cancer left right and center i'm about to go into a, a really new type of targeted therapy we are trying everything that we possibly can in terms of research and evidence-based practice. Now, alongside that, um, I do a lot of research and I read a lot about like what really works. So when you look in terms of the research, the evidence base, what really, re- like, what, what really works when it comes to kind of like, you know, making your, your life better with cancer, exercise, 100% keeping mentally kind of um you know as positive as possible not because it will extend your life it just makes your quality of life much better um i'm an absolute advocate for like complementary treatment so like um whether that's acupuncture or reflexology or relaxation or whatever it might be oh my god i love it that also and all of those things are absolutely proven What I kind of hate is when somebody says, yeah, well, I cured my cancer with um, with green juices and I go and it's it's almost like they're saying to me, I know they're not saying this to me, but I get really frustrated with it because it's almost like saying, well, I've got the secret, but you don't have it. And I realised that I, you know, I keep myself really fit. I'm a vegetarian, so I should never have got bowel cancer in terms of risk in the first place. And I, I'm not slagging it off, but it's almost like saying I'm not trying it. But of course, I'm trying all this stuff and my cancer is still here. And I think Rachel, for me, is a really good example of this. And this is why I get kind of quite arsy about it. Rachel is somebody who was a triathlete. She was a marathon runner and a triathlete. She was one of their most active, healthy, fit people that I knew. Mm. She died of her breast cancer, but she couldn't control it. She tried everything, right? But so did her specialists. 
and it it almost is like saying that there's winners and there's losers in the situation and Rach never lost mm. like she wasn't weak enough or she didn't know what the secret was um and I'm not I'm not slagging off the kind of um people who absolutely believe with what they're doing um because mindset plays a massive part of that so if if you know um having apricot kernels and turmeric and this um works for you mm-hmm. then please please carry on doing it um but i just think that every single person has to find their own way through it and what i advocate is evidence-based stuff and then you then you can take everything else with that mm-hmm. so yeah i know i've kind of gone off on a tangent no, a little no. bit but i think it's really important because i think there's a lot of people out there who kind of say you know i think just act as though they have the secret to stuff mm. and i think if they did um a lot more of us would be doing it mm-hmm. i wanted to tell people that you know what it's okay to drink a glass of wine because i th- i think i think the problem is is that you get cancer and people assume that you suddenly have to cut, become quite whole you know quite wholesome with everything because you're trying to do everything to save your body um of course you are but but at the same time, be bloody normal. Mm. Like, you know, recognise it's going to be shit. Recognise it's going to be hilarious. Recognise you're going to have to laugh at the fact that you're vomiting and pooing all at the same time. Recognise that you're going to have really, really, really dark days. Um, but also recognise the fact that you can only do so much. And if you feel that you're doing everything that you can um, and it's making you feel good, um, that's brilliant. But also know that you might be really lucky and have a great medical team and your cancer will be fine Mm. Um, or you might do all of this stuff and it you know might not have the outcome that Mm. you want I the reason I so I don't I didn't didn't talk about it in this book because it um it didn't happen when I was writing it but a great example is that I um got into remission oh no I think it is in the book I can't remember actually I love, I love the fact that I can't remember my own book. But I got into remission um, from stage four, which is like unheard of. And um, I had had like loads of um, kind of operations and a year of chemotherapy. And then um, I decided to go on a massive health kick. Like, you know, every I was like, come on then. Like everything that you're talking about, I'm going to do. Um, I got back into running. Running's a massive thing for me and exercise is a huge thing. But I kind of then did everything that came came alongside it. And you know what? My cancer came back. And mm. my oncologist turned around and he said, don't play that game, Deborah. He mm. said, you've got a really rare type um, of, uh, is, I've got a mutation in my bowel cancer. And it's really aggressive. And he said, he said, he said, don't try to get into that game because actually mentally it's a really negative place to be. The best thing I can do is to keep myself as fit and healthy as possible mm-hmm. to then like take whatever happens does that yes, make sense yes and just course. like take it the rough with the smooth but yeah so I kind of I wrote I wrote it whilst I was in the dark depths of kind of treatment hell mm. it sounds um, like you wrote the book you would have needed yeah I wanted to like that's exactly what but I didn't want the bullshit I kind of wanted the kind of like the practical mm. like um yes this is shit have you tried this tomorrow's another day um 
right, try these five things. If, you're, if your mate wants to help you, give them this list of 20 things mm-hmm. and there's something that they can find in there. Um, and just really practical kind of like, try this, don't do this, like um, stuff that you don't get told in hospital. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask actually about, because I talk a bit on this podcast about social media and how we yes. live our lives on it. And you, you know, you've mentioned two comments already in this episode that weren't necessarily helpful I wondered how do you keep those boundaries when anyone can say anything on online because um you know it's like you just said unfortunately and I'm shocked genuinely to hear it but like not everyone is supportive no how do you kind of work through that I think at first um you take everything to heart don't you like the first time it happens oh my god it's kind of it is a learning curve and I would say I've definitely developed a thick skin I think I take comfort from the fact that the vast majority of comments and support is overwhelmingly positive so I take absolute comfort from knowing that actually um I am you know I've been told that I'm either saving lives or helping other people or they respond positively to my book or whatever so I am learning to focus on that and then it's amazing isn't it you might get a hundred really nice messages Mm. but the one message that's like wow you're sexualizing cancer no I'm not Uh, (laughs) um do you try not to check as much because it's like it doesn't these comments don't impact the amazing work you're doing yeah I think it's kind of like learning when when I need to respond and when I don't what I've also recognized is that I at the moment am having to protect myself a little bit because I people share a lot of information with me and I'm very very grateful for them doing so and I want them to continue to do so but they will share their whole story about their cancer diagnosis now for me to then emotionally respond is almost like playing a counsellor in those situations Mm. and I it's uh, in an ideal world I would like help every single person but my oncologist turned around and he said to me Deborah you you can't help or save everyone you have to save yourself first yeah and what I'm learning is sometimes I get a bit overwhelmed with um the kind of um messages of kind of what can you advise um I've got these symptoms what should I do because um I or you know my friends just died and I've realized that I can't I can't it's not I don't want to save everyone I just emotionally I can't do that Mm -hmm. and so I have to kind of protect myself um first and foremost I think and be a little bit selfish so and it's not that I don't appreciate everything Mm -hmm. I think it's just human nature if you a bit, I got really sad like about um, four weeks ago and I realised that I had to kind of protect myself um, and the reason is because four people that I knew through social media died in the space of four days mm. and I they they weren't people I was really close to but they were people that were diagnosed at the same time as me who I was messaging through social media and I realised that then I was kind of it was really heavy to deal with that or off the back of like Rachel dying off the back of another friend dying as well and I was just like hang on a moment like how do I switch my mindset from being convinced that I'm next Mm. to just go no no I'm fine I can I can handle this and I think it's knowing that like I have to protect myself first yes Um, but for everything for for those negatives I would take them all for every positive that I have got and I would like you know I would you know 
take even more. Does that mm, make sense? Because yes. I just think it's it is incredible the community um, that I'm part of online. Yes. Um, yes, and so it wouldn't even be an option not to be part never. of that. No, no, no. But I exactly. think that is really brilliant advice because I think you know whatever you're going through, you, we now have on top of that access to everyone which is good and it's kind of annoying sometimes and I think it's also like it's very easy now on social media to reach out and to say oh that person has my diagnosis um you know or they're going for exactly the same as me but the reality is that none of our you know none of us know exactly how we will respond none of our treatments are identical Mm -hmm. um and the worst thing to do is project everything that they're going through on yourself um and it's it's awful to see um and like my absolute sympathies are there but at the same time it's like you have to and anyone I I imagine that I can think in the cancer community and I'm sure maybe in other communities it, it probably relates to when you know people see um everyone at a particular event or everyone mm. like you know why does, why does everyone get that free dress or whatever it is and it's it's remembering that actually um you know protecting yourself of you know and foremost is is the priority really definitely um well thank you so much what would your final message be just to everyone listening kind of if there's just one thing you want to just be like this um what would it be check your poo (laughs) so i have to say say true to like why i speak about stuff in the first place so i don't I, I'm going to say I don't. So what do I need to do? So, right, I'm just going to go back to basics here. So um, I don't want to scare people. The reality with bowel cancer is that it is unfortunately like still the second biggest killer in the UK. More often than not, it is associated with people over the age of 50. However, unfortunately, across the Western world, um, there is an increased a massively increased amount of people under the age of 50 is one of the largest growing it is the largest growing cancer under the age of 50 mm. now you can speculate whatever and there's research in terms of why and stuff but i'm not the expert on it the key thing is that a you're never too young to have bowel cancer and i'm a perfect example you're never too fit to have bowel cancer Um, the key things to look for are a change in bowel habits if you are unsure it's most likely it is most likely to be totally a benign thing right but please 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 get yourself checked um for me i was pooing blood um not fresh blood um i was it was relatively fresh but it wasn't like hemorrhoids it was um it was and quite a lot of blood and for me that somebody said is it more than a teaspoon and it was absolutely more than a teaspoon the second thing is i was really tired so the third thing is i was really tired i had some weight loss um and i some people experience a lump in their stomach i didn't but i think the key thing is that you know what if you're ever in all this i look back and i always had a gut instinct that something wasn't right and i just think it's better not to be embarrassed it's better to go to the doctors to say my poo is has blood in it and you know people still go and say oh I've, things have changed down there and i'm thinking well where down there like front middle or back <laughs> you know but just be really just be really blunt yeah um, god it's so so british it's so british this is gonna save my life and i still can't say it out loud yeah and i just think the reality is that um i campaign because i know that i can't really do anything to turn back time on what happened to me but i know that other people 
like when this is caught early it's totally and utterly curable um and i know that you know there's lots of people working really really hard up and down the country to try and just raise awareness you Mm. know like we i think we've got to the point where people are checking their boobs really well um not saying it's happening across the board but i think awareness and embarrassment and that's because of great campaigners mm, who have done like copperfield like copperfield exactly and chris yeah. langer and what they do um and you know really good organizations mm. that, that are dedicated to the cause of, of raising awareness for that but i do think with bowel cancer um we've got a long way to go mm. so well thank you so much for everything that you do no thank you um, for having me on you're absolutely amazing <laughs> Thank you for letting me just ask anything no, um, please. and chat to you in such a honest and open way. Thank no, you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye.